1: Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Multifamily Legacy Podcast. I'm your host, Corey Peterson. Today, we're going to actually start a new three-part series of the Warner Robins portfolio, Good, Bad, and the Ugly. So this is our latest deal that we just closed on. And we've got a couple more of these coming, by the way. We're actually closing two more deals before the year is over. And we're also selling a deal Right now, it actually, as I'm recording this, we've got about 11 more days to close on a deal that we bought for $9.5 million that we're selling for $19 million. So how about those apples, right? It's an exciting time in real estate. Things are really moving and there's lots of opportunities. And so the more that you guys can hear and understand about these opportunities and how you find the deals, how you get them funded, and how you ultimately put them together for profit and put together your team. And that's kind of the theme of this three-part series is that it really is a team effort. I've never said that I'm the biggest and the baddest and it's all kahuna. It never is, by the way. I have partners on almost every deal. And on these next three episodes, I'm going to bring uh, different partners on because they did different things. So next week, we're going to talk to Sean Winslow. And he was one of my students that actually found the deal. He went out and did all the things that I taught him to do. And he found a great deal. And so he brought it to me. Then I went, looked at the deal, made sure it was a deal. We kind of went through the high level. So I helped him actually put it under contract. Come to find out the deal was, or uh, the broker was a guy that I actually transacted with before. How cool is that? So we put back together. And then I partnered with my other good friend, Mark Delator and he actually helped raise all the money. And so that's kind of how a lot of times deals get put together. Is everybody can come in and we all have different things, we all kind of bound together and made a deal happen. And I think more times than not, that's usually how deals get done. Oh, I left out my other good friend, Mike Hambright, also put down all the earnest money. So it really is the tale of a lot of team members have put together the glue and that makes the magic. And so today I'm really just going to talk about the deal itself, how we found it, why it's a deal. I'm going to let all the way into how we exactly found it. I'm just going to say we found the deal. I'm going to give you the deal parameters, the specifics on why it's a deal, what we saw, what it has, where it's at, and just kind of lay down the foundation of here we are 2021 closing deals, right? And this is going to be our second deal. This one was for, I believe, we bought this property for $13 million. So Warner Robbins is actually a portfolio. It's called Warner Robbins Portfolio. And it was kind of off market, kind of on market. It was just starting to be get whispered out. And my student, Sean Winslow, was able to find that deal. And he basically befriended the broker, got to know them used our credibility together, used a little bit of my credibility to help position himself to get kind of a good working relationship with the broker. And so he was able to leverage that and he actually pretty much under contract by himself. I had to get in at the last, best, and final. I was actually kind of brought into the deal and actually had some face time and talked with the broker. The broker had some certain questions and that's when we actually realized that we had transacted before. It really helped us slam dunk the deal. So it's three properties. Two are right next to each other. I mean, I'm seeing the land butts up together. So it's called Briardale 1, or not Briardale, uh, Brandon Court 1 and Brandon Court 2. And those two properties are right next to each other. And then about four miles away is Briardale, which is a smaller, and really it's kind of stepson. And so it needs actually the most work as well. So, give you the backstory of this. This portfolio represents 197 units. It's in a B-class area. It's located in Warner Robins, Georgia, and it's situated like two miles from Warner Robins Air Force Base. And by the way, they just recently added like 1,200 tech and cybersecurity jobs. But that base is a transport base. Like, I'm telling you, like the Big, big planes in the rear with the gear. And I mean, there's these massive, massive hangars. So this base is not going to shut down. We will always need to move and ship and do stuff for the military. And they have a lot of money invested in this Air Force. And it's a huge, huge base. So we, first of all, because that's actually one of the risks. If the base goes, what happens? Now, what's crazy is that our tenant base, that 197, I think we only have about a 22% concentration of people that are from the base, military. So we actually like that. That's really good numbers for being two miles from the base. You would normally think it'd be way higher, but it's not. And so that led itself to say, really kind of scratching the surface, like, oh, well, let's understand this deal. And understand what's going on how does it unlock itself and so we've got a couple of buildings Brandon court one and Brandon court two well Brandon court one is a bunch of what's called cardinal properties these manufactured homes that are all one story they've already been remodeled as once but like they come with a stigmatism it means that they're just manufactured homes and they've been at this location for a long time i think they were built in 1984 and we've just got and then the Brandon Court 2 is built in 1963. So we got a couple older buildings here and they've not seen a whole lot of love. Now what's crazy is these Cardinal products, these little single story units, people love these properties. They do. I don't know why, but no, they love them cuz you don't have neighbors above you and, and below you and or whatever and it just has a really nice setup. And they've been somewhat remodeled. So they actually, they look pretty good. And then you've got this 1963 building. That's got the, like the Windsor sides. It's got a flat roof. We hate flat roofs, but you have to deal with them. That's okay. We will. And then, but it's got brick, you know, it's brick all the way around. So we like the brick and it's not in too bad shape, but it's just a little bit dated. Right Now, what both those two properties have really going for it is a comp base, meaning they have been doing renovations. And when they do these upgrades, like flooring, new paint, fixtures, appliances, new ceiling fans, and like light fixtures and things like that, roughly around eight to ten, twelve thousand dollars of rehab per door, they're getting almost a hundred dollars bump in rents. So that's noted. We're like, ooh, okay. And it's easy to see that that's what they're getting. There's also a lot of loss to lease.
0: At Kahuna Investments, we partner with passive investors to create award-winning communities families love to call home. If you want to learn more about our company and our process, go to www.kahunainvestments.com and click the deal room.
1: Meaning there's a lot of things that are just not at market. So... We look at that as an opportunity, and but yet there's traffic. There's lots of traffic, lots of people coming in. The property is 99% occupied, so they have very few vacants. So that screams to me opportunity, right? Now, that's just for Brandon Court 1 and Brandon Court 2. Now, we have Briardale, which is kind of the red-headed step, stepsister. It's four miles down the road, and I'm going to tell you the problems right now is that what doesn't get inspected every day gets lost. And because the management location for where your people and staff are at are at Brandy Court. So who's going every day to go drive over to the other property? And is it really happening? And our answer is no, it's not currently. It's not happening. It is a offsite, out of site, out of mine property, and it has been getting no love. So we have to change it. We have to fix it. First of all, personnel, that is our biggest, what we got to do is we got to make sure we have personnel to go to that property and monitor that every day. There's got to be a dedicated person. Really, this is your maintenance guy to that property every day. We can still lease it from branding court, But unless you have maintenance over there every day, taking pictures, understanding what he's responsible for, picking up the trash, doing all the little things, then there's no amount of work that we can do that will raise the value of that property because it'll keep going into a state of disrepair. So how do you fix that? You fix it with people, right? Not hard. And then making sure your people adhere to your policy, okay? The execution of that is actually really hard The ideal of it is very simple, but this is where with today's technology of phones and Facebook and live feeds and all that stuff, and I'm telling you, you can easily manage all that stuff. So it is not hard anymore. And so when we look at that Briardale product, now it's the most dilapidated. It needs roofs. It needs paint, but it's in a great location. It's right next to a high school. It's in a really good spot, and it's just not been loved on in years. It's got big trees everywhere, but they've not been trimmed in forever. And so you've got leaves and just things that are growing where it should have been trimmed years ago. So when we have big rental products, and by the way, we're putting about $2.2 million in capital improvements in these projects, okay? It's not just a small figure. It's a pretty big number. And we didn't just pull it out of our butt either, right? So we have a very detailed CapEx plan. We went into each and every door and said, what does it have? What does it need? And where are we taking it? And we put a price to all that. And so based on our experience with the price, the price is right. <laughs> the price is what we really pay for stuff. And then you even still then add a 10% contingency because right now the price of stuffs going up. We knew how to make sure that we're looking out for that. So once we kind of have that idea squared away, then it's a matter of, well, what do you do first? And so in our analysis of this deal, the goal was to let's go and we got to do all the outside stuff first, right? You've got to bring your customer in before you can actually just take them to the unit and get that rent bump. And it also puts everybody on notice. Everybody like, hey, Wow, they're doing all this stuff. They're remodeling, they're painting the exteriors, they're adding, they're doing a slurry restripe on the parking lot. They've got new signage, everything looks new and fresh. And people really usually understand that means, are they going to start doing the interior stuff? And then once we do, everybody kind of understands that probably rent's going to go up. Now, they really don't mind, they really don't mind because they like where they live. And that you're actually, as the owner coming in and spending money to really make the place nice, they're willing to pay a little bit more. They really are. And so we've known this for a long time as not everybody, but majority, over probably say 60% of them are not going to move out, at least not this rent bump. Now, if we keep raising the rents, and we will, maybe we get out of that renter profile and move into the next profile, Right. So there's always, just like the stock market, there's always like ceiling. And then when you bust through that ceiling, new level is there. That's kind of how it is with a tenant base. And so once we go to the next threshold, that's a whole different tenant. And also what I've really learned from this is that the more that you can charge, the better your collections are. So when you first find like a C-class property, really old, dilapidated, and you get $500 rents you're gonna have a hard time collecting. If you get to seven $800, it's a better paying tenant and they pay more on time. And so you start having less and less collection. So we've learned the better we raise the rents, the faster we can do it, the better our property stays, the cleaner it stays, the less work we have to do. And that's just across the board. So we wanna get this property improved as soon as possible because it makes operations work even more efficiently. Okay? So we're buying the thing for thirteen million dollars. It's around sixty five thousand nine hundred dollars nine ninety per unit, and we've got some pretty sweet financing on it, right? So we got this deal for twenty five percent down, seventy five percent LTV, and we got a rate of about three point nine five percent. It's a three year bridge, right? Note that we have two extension periods for two or for a year each. So it really could just be five years if we want it to. It is fixed first three years, 3.95. And then the goal is to have a takeout to a long-term debt, right? Or just sell the project, which I think is going to be our number one strategy is lift this because it is separated units. The goal here is to take this property and transform it, get it going, create the value, and then within three years, sell, especially in this marketplace that we're in right now. So we think we can rapidly do that and have a really nice exit. We had original timeline of five years, but we're going to try to do it in three years. And I think it makes more sense to rush this project. And I say rush, I'm just talking about like, we want to be efficient and get the work done and get our rents raised. When we do that, we create the value instantaneously. it's forced appreciation. And by doing so, we're going to be able to raise our total NOI. So I'm going to go over our numbers in here just a little bit, just so I can kind of give you the background of how this deal is going to be set up and how it's going to work. So we raised $5.6 million, okay? And $992,000 of, we have a capital improvement is from our investors, but we also got the bank to carry... $1.1 million in financed capital improvement, meaning at like 4%. Well, that's cheap money. So anytime you can get a bank to lend you money, you want to take it up, I think, because it's way cheaper to get it from the bank than it is to get it from private investors. So we were totally down with that idea. So that makes it really nice. And so I'm not going to go through all the capital required from investors of where each tranche money is, but let's just say this for us to make an acquisition fee, have all the reserves, have some cash in the bank, not like just have a nice little plethora of monies. $5.6 million gets us there on the race. So from there, then we got to look at the operations of this machine and just kind of go through some of the high level numbers of, I'm going to go talk about what they're trailing, like what the numbers we verified with in a T12 and then what we're planning on doing. Okay. So total income from this property is about $1.67 million. So 1.67, not bad, pretty decent income, right? For 197 units. And then the total expenses for this project is around $711,000. Okay. So that allows you to have an NOI net operating income of 967. That's pretty strong. It's pretty strong
0: NOI. Are you ready for retirement? The majority of Americans are not. Failing Social Security and dated financial planning practices put strains on many retirees' finances. 46% of Americans admit they are not taking steps to prepare for the likelihood they outlive their retirement savings. Luckily, it's not too late. Diversify your portfolio. At Kahuna Investments, we partner with passive investors to create award-winning communities families love to call home. To learn more about our company and our process, go to www.kahunainvestments.com and click the deal room.
1: And so what we asked ourselves is, okay, based on what we know with this market, what can we get? And so we figured an increase in year one of just 4%, right? Normally that number would be three. We're in an inflationary time right now, so let's do 4%. And then we're going to increase it to 16% in year two. Now, that's because we're going to take that property and go for the whole year, the next two years of renovating all the units, getting all those units online, getting them fixed up. And so a 16% increase in gross rents is pretty awesome. So just so you can understand what that is, that's going from 67 to 1,085. I mean, that's not a lot of money, the difference, the delta between that two, but that delta means a lot. And then we're doing a couple of assumptions. So that's 16% growth. And after that year two, year three and on, we're only saying we're going to do a, a normal CPI cost of predictive index, CPI index of 3%, right? And so that's normal inflation. That's normal. And that's exactly where we're at right now, if not higher. So we think we'll actually beat our numbers just based on the inflation alone, not certain, but I would almost bet that that's what happens. Okay, so now let's look at it from a different perspective on the operation side. We're just gonna say our operational costs are gonna go up 2% every year, okay, 2%. That's not crazy money, but it's good enough money to like, that's real. So when we get to that point of view, now we're looking at, the end of the day, our first year one, because our expenses, it was doing 711, right? 711 expenses and from the trailing. We actually budgeted for more salaries and more people. Remember we talked about the people component. Our total operating expenses are 792, almost $80,000 more. Well, where is that $80,000 going? Basically management fees and in salaries and related. So we're putting more staff and a little bit more advertising and promotion budget together to do all this stuff. And so our NOI is 909, 909, 121. And then you pay your debt service and cash flow or CapEx reserves. It still creates $429,000 of CFBT, cash flow before taxes. Okay. It's a beautiful number. And then our amount of money that we have to pay our investors, they're 6% pref, actually on this one, we did a seven pref, is $392,000. That means year one, we're only going to make as a sponsorship group, 37000 But that's how a lot of these big list repositioning plays are, because we think that it's going to get our occupancy is going to go down, and it's going to dip, and then it's going to come back up, and then we're doing all the work. It's not until we start doing all this work that we really create the value. So in year two, we're making like one hundred and twelve. In year three, we're making 269 But where it gets really cool is when we want to sell our exit, we're buying this property for $13 million. We think that we'll sell it for $22 million, almost a double. And we budgeted that for five years, but we think we can do it in three. And so anytime that you can double money in three to five years, like we just did it to Palms, bought it for nine, sold it for 19, I usually try to hit the exit button and say, yes, that's a great deal. We should do it. And that's exactly what we're going to do here not to mention something else, right? Cost segregation. So we're going to get about $3.7 million of cost segregation first year depreciation that we can take for our properties. So that cost segregation, kids, is real. Like it's real money because Uncle Sam's, he wants his. And so that's a huge deal for us and our investors. And I think it's when it's done correctly and we do it on every property now, it really, really does mean a lot. So it really equals for about every $100,000 that an investor gives us, around 33 to $34,000 is depreciation per 100,000. That's huge. So that can offset a lot of their income that we're gonna give them. And then the same structure that we always use, which is 50% cost that we have, A shares and B shares. Now we did change this deal up a little bit and did a professional waterfall. I'll get with Mark to tell you why in our next episode of we found Mark has a certain group of investor pools that wanted a structure a certain way. So listen, don't bite the hand that feeds you, just give them what they want. And if it still makes a deal, then do it. And that's exactly what we did. This investor pool of money wants a little bit more money. And so we gave it to them. right? At the end of the day, that really makes the deal work. So here's a deal that I think that we're going to probably do better than expected Our numbers will, I think, will do better truly than we've underwritten. And that the market itself, what a great time, even though it's a hot market, it's not going to slow down anytime soon. And I think we're going to have even the more and more ability to have growth that we probably didn't expect because we're buying in this market. And so we're going to do a total of 65 million dollars of acquisitions this year. I think it's going to pan out really well for us. We'll knock on wood and see what happens, but. Right now, we're in a great spot. The other part of that is, then who cares? Because I'm cash flowing on this property from day one. It's not a lot, but it's enough to pay my investors and I get to make some extra. So if the market doesn't show up or whatever it is, as long as I can raise my rents and increase my cash flow, then who cares? That's the beauty of buying for cash flow. If you buy for cash flow, guys, you can't go wrong because whether the market's up or down, you can still pay your mortgage and you can still play the game. Guys, that is how you do it. That's how you make lots of money and do it the right way in multifamily investing, right? To get there though, you have to believe it, guys. Tell yourself daily that this is the way that I want to do time and work once and get paid time and time again. When you do it right, it lines itself up. It's a beautiful thing, guys. If you believe it, you can achieve it in your paradise is possible.